0: All right. If you got your Bibles, turn with me. I know you guys—you guys sound so great out there, fellowship and having a good time with each other. I almost hate to interrupt. Uh, I really don't. I love interrupting. If you got your Bibles, turn with me at Matthew chapter eight, will be verses five through thirteen in the book of Matthew. As, uh, as we've studied through the book, we've come to the section on the miracles of Christ. And in this section, i talked we started last week. In this section, Jesus performs nine straight miracles. One after the other after the other. And these are incredible miracles that he does. This is outstanding. I mean, you'll see these. Uh, Each one should make our jaw drop. Each one should make us more in awe and amazed at who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. But this one here that we're going to look at today in this section is one of the most incredible miracles in the entire Bible. It is uh, uh, Jesus healing a paralyzed man. And you guys know what it means to be paralyzed, to be a paralytic. He heals a paralyzed man. But that's not the the significant part of the miracle, that He heals a paralyzed man. The most important part of the miracle is, He does it with just His words. He does it from a distance. Jesus isn't even in eyesight where He can see this guy. And He does it just by, by saying it with His mouth. And that makes this an outstanding miracle. So I titled the sermon this morning, The Miraculous... Last week was the miraculous touch of Christ because He reached down and touched the 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 leper, and today it's the the miraculous words of Christ as He doesn't even touch this man; He just says the words and He's healed. Uh, So let's stand together. I'll read you this passage: uh, Matthew chapter eight, verses five through thirteen. And again, we're going to look at the miraculous words of Christ. The miraculous words of Christ. Starting in verse five, I want to just get set in front of you this, this passage. Starting in verse 5, going through verse 13. And the Word of God says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. Which is paralyzed. He was a paralyzed man. He was grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof but speak the word only. Just say the word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he does. Verse 10. And when Jesus heard it, He marveled. Only two places in the entire Bible where Jesus is amazed. And this is one of them. He marveled. And said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed, in the self-same hour, immediately as he said it, the man was healed. Amen. This is a miraculous word of Christ. Yeah. That he says it from a distance, not even within an eye. He can't even see the man. That's the power that Jesus has over disease. Let's pray together and we'll look at this passage. What a wonderful passage today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, that's sitting in front of us here this morning. The same words that you used then, we read now. The same power that you had in your word then, you have in your word now. So as we read this, we need to understand that your words have miracle working power. They have that in our lives right now. That these words that we read, they they jump off the page at us. They leap off the page at us. And they have miraculous working power to encourage, to comfort, to convict, to save, and yes, even to heal. So when I pray that You would use these words today and that we would see them that way. That these are just as powerful words as they were when You spoke them then. Use them today in a miraculous way for what our hearts need. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the greatest fears that we have in life is disease. One of the greatest problems that we ha- have in life is disease. We spend our lives consumed, worried about, fighting disease. And it can go from the the, the diseases that are just a nuisance. I don't even know if it's, a, if it's a disease. My wife says that when I get a cold, that it might as well be a deathly disease. That's, that's the way I act anyway. She says it's a, you know, they call it a man cold. And you get so, I don't know, I do. I get so sick with a cold that Steph, I have a bell that I ring. And she has to come and, and she, she doesn't bring me anything at all. She just leaves me in a room by myself and says, get over it. But we, 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 we fight the diseases that are nuisance, that they just get on our nerves, that it just tops up our head or our ears or our nose. Those things that just, they're here today and maybe gone in a week or so. But then we fight those also those diseases that are, that are painful or even deadly, diseases like cancer. That's one of the greatest fears in our lifetime is that we would go to the doctor and the doctor would tell us, I've got bad news for you, you have cancer. That's one of the, the, the most scary words in our life is that word cancer. We are, we are scared of disease. We fight disease. We prevent disease. We do everything we can to try to stay away from disease. And we live in a time today where it's, it's good. We have great doctors, and I, I thank God for them. We have great medicine today. We have procedures that we can do. We have surgeons. We've, God has blessed us to live in the time that we live in, to have the, the modern medicine that we have, to fight against these diseases that scare us to death. Amen. Aren't you glad that God has given us those things? That when I get a I can get a disease, I can go to a doctor and, and he can give me a plan to, to get rid of that disease. They didn't have that in their day that Jesus was talking about. Their diseases were worse than our diseases. We have colds. They had plague. We could get the flu, they had leprosy. There were terrible diseases. And it, it affected them from the top of their head to the bottom of their toes. You would read through the Bible and you hear about people just being born blind. I mean, they, they, they couldn't see, and they'd catch diseases that would take away their eyesight. It was rampant in that time that there was all kinds of blind people. Deaf people, dumb people, people with leprosy and the plague and fevers and, and paralytics. Read the Bible and it's full of some of the worst diseases you can ever imagine. And let me say it's even worse because they didn't have the doctors that we had. They didn't have pharmacies. They didn't didn't have surgeons. They didn't have medicine. They didn't have what we had. So if you read the Bible, you'll see that even Jesus said, the sick and the dying will be with you always. As they walked the streets in that time, everywhere you went, you would see the sick, you'd see the dying, you'd see the lepers, you'd see the plague, you'd see the paralytic, you'd see the blind, you'd see the deaf, you'd see the dumb. They were everywhere, lining the streets. It was all over the place. It's all you would see in that time was disease. In that time, you were blessed to live into your 20s. Women were blessed if they made it through the pregnancy disease was rampant in that time. And enter Jesus into that place. And when Jesus enters, and I love this, Jesus comes healing people. As they are, and I said that, as they're lining the streets everywhere you go, they're begging, they're on mats because they can't walk, and people are, they didn't have wheelchairs, so they're, they're carrying them places because they couldn't do it themselves. They're lining the streets everywhere you go. Or are, are people, that, again, that are paralyzed, that are that are blind, that, that can't do anything for themselves. And enter Jesus, and as He walks through the streets, everywhere He went, He healed thousands upon thousands of people. It, and it said that he totally wiped out disease and sickness in Palestine when he was there. Everywhere he went, he healed people. He banished disease. And it was over here, it was over there, and it was up here. He had crowds following him because he was bringing help to the helpless and hope to the hopeless. And why did he do that? Let me just give you a couple reasons to bring into the sermon. Because Jesus was compassionate. He loved people. And we would walk down the street and we would see these people that had the plague or had leprosy or or were paralyzed. And we would turn the other way, like like the the Good Samaritan story. We would look the other way. We'd go to the other side of the street. But that's not who Jesus was. When He came down from the Sermon on the Mount and He went into the streets and He was around the people, He looked at them and it says over and over, He saw their sickness, He had compassion on them, and He healed them. He loved them. His heart reached out to them. He, He cried tears for them. It hurt the Son of God to see men and women in pain. So He had compassion upon Him. I'll say He cared for them. That's why He did it. He cared for them. And second, He did it to show us how powerful He is. That He can heal the things that scare us the most in life. He had power over the things that we fear the most. And if you go through the, the, the miracles that He does, just let me show you what He does. We are scared to death of death. Jesus has power over the dead. We are scared to death of demons, of the the supernatural, the the demonic. And Jesus, as you look through these miracles, He has power over the demons. He can cast out demons with just just a word. If if you you study through these these miracles, we are scared to death of nature. There's going to be a storm or an earthquake or something just come come through and wipe us out. And He had authority, He had power over nature. Just stop a storm, stop a hurricane, stop a, a tornado. When he says stop, it stops. That's the power of his words. He has power over sin. He said in, in the book of John, I, the Son of Man has power to forgive sin. And then in this story we see today, Jesus shows us that he has the power over all disease and sickness. Whatever disease you may have or whatever disease you're scared of, Jesus here shows that He has dominion, He has authority, He has power over disease. When He says disease leave, disease leaves. That's His power, that's His authority, that's His dominion. It's the chain of command and, and we have disease standing over us, hovering over us all the time, scaring us to death. But do you know who is above disease? Jesus is above disease. And what He says to the disease, the disease does. Not only that, we don't just see that He cares. We don't just see His power. We see that He is God. Only God can do what Jesus does here. When you see His works, when you see these miracles, when, when you, you, you may not believe what He says, but you must believe His works. It is clear and unmistakable uh, a testimony of who He is. The miracles were for them. that They would see what He did and they would say, oh my, this man must be the Son of God. And These miracles have that same uh, effect upon us that when we see them and we read them, every miracle, we look past the miracle and we see who did it and we say it must be God. He must be the Son of God. So it shows us who He is. Jesus is God in the flesh. When you read these miracles, these miracles are where the small thoughts of Jesus go to die. You cannot think small thoughts about Jesus when you read what He does here. Here is one of the great miracles in all of Scripture. It shows that He has the power to heal from a distance with just His words. So let's look at this passage I'm going to give you three points just to work our way through it. As we look at the miraculous words of Christ, and if you're a note taker, i want to give you the number one point that we have here, starting in verse 5. I want to show you the urgent request. The urgent request. Look look what it says in verse 5. I just want to work our way through this. We have several verses to cover here today. The urgent request. It says that when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, when He came into the city, and I'm going to stop there, Capernaum. This city that he's walking into is a a fishing town on the sea. Peter's hometown. Peter had a house there. You'll see that in in the sermon next week that they go into Peter's house in Capernaum and his mother-in-law's there. She has a fever and Jesus heals her. So Peter had a home there. This is Peter's hometown. This is Jesus' headquarters. This is where he would go and stay. Probably spent several nights with Peter and the fishermen in Capernaum. Probably had a place where he rested there, a place where he stayed. He didn't have a home of his own. The, The Son of Man had no place to lay his head, so he spent a lot of time staying the night with his friends, with his disciples. And in Capernaum is where he stayed a lot, where he does a lot. There's more miracles done in Capernaum than any city in the history of the world. And it says, when he enters into Capernaum, there came a, unto him a centurion. Now I've got to stop there. Because you guys may not know what a centurion is. A centurion is a soldier. This is a military man. A centurion would be a, not, not just a lowly military man or a soldier. He would be a military man that had people underneath him. He's, he's more like a, a drill sergeant or a captain or somebody who had a, a hundred men at least underneath him. So he he's a commander. He had people that he he told them what to do. And he says that later on. He told them what to do and they did it. He told them to go and they went. He told them to come and they come. He had authority over a hundred other soldiers. He had climbed the ranks where he wasn't just a lowly uh, soldier. He was a a captain. He was a a commander. He had people underneath him. He was a Gentile. He was a foreigner. He was a a Roman soldier who occupied this Jewish territory. So he was one of the the most hated men by the Jews in this time. He was a man's man. Back then, they didn't do war in airplanes and, and behind a computer on a ship somewhere. You know how they did war? these things (laughs) we don't do war like that anymore they had swords and they had spears and they had their fists and when they fought they they fought (laughs) hand to hand combat this guy's a a fighter he's a man he's a leader he's one of the most respected men in that area he's a great guy but according to the Jews he's an outcast he's a low level hated man and he comes to Jesus You see that? He came to Jesus, beseeching Him, begging Jesus, pleading to Jesus. It's urgent. That's what that beseeching is. It's an urgent request. He's pleading with him. There's something very, very important that's taking place. And, and here's his prayer request. You, you want to read it with me in verse 6? Here it is. And this is what this is. It's a prayer request. He's going to the man who has authority over disease. He's going to the man who can do something about it. He's at the bottom of he he doesn't there's nothing that he can do to fix this problem. So he goes to the one who can fix the problem. That's what a prayer request is. I can't do it, so I'm going to the one who can. So he's sitting there and he says, I can't handle this. I've got to go to the one who can. And who can? There's only one that has authority and power over disease. I'll go to him. What does he do? Verse 6. Here's the prayer request. He says, Lord, my servant, my slave, lies at home sick of the palsy. His servant. Luke 7 says it's a very dear servant, someone he loves very much. He's back at home. He can't come on his own. He couldn't get up and go to Jesus on his own, so he had to have somebody to go for him. He's, this insurance is not praying for himself. He's praying for somebody else. There's nothing greater you can do for somebody, I don't think, than to go to God on their behalf. I read a quote the other day. There was a question the other day that one of my pastor friends sent out on, on, a, on a poll. He said, How many of you pastors have some, some men in your church that if you got in trouble and you got put in jail, that they would go and bail you out. Without question. I started counting on my hands. Let's see. <laughs> How many of my buddies in, in, in church would bail me out? That's what he's saying. How many good friends do you have? And I thought, you know, I have a bunch of them. I, you know, I know that I have some friends in this church that would bail me out. If I called them, if I texted them, and I said, I'm in jail, come and bail me out. I know they'd make fun of me, but they'd bail me out. I get that. They'd show up, they'd laugh at me behind the bars. You know, what do you do? You know, old man, you know. <laughs> I, I know that's what they would do. But they'd come bail me out. You say, why are you telling us that? Because that guy, that preacher was saying that the, the greatest thing a guy can do for you is to bail you out of jail. Jesus here is showing us that the greatest thing you can have as a friend is somebody who, who goes to Jesus on your behalf. I'd rather have somebody that, that that'll pray for me than somebody that'll bail me out. And I'm glad that as I look around this church, I have people here that may not bail me out. But I know you'll pray for me. That's the greatest thing you can do for a pastor or a friend or a loved one. When they can't go to God on their own behalf, you go for them. Amen. Charles Spurgeon said, if you ever wish to do me any good, pray for me. So that's what he does. He goes to Jesus for his servant because his servant couldn't go on his own. And what's wrong with his servant? He's sick of the palsy. He's paralyzed. I don't think he was paralyzed his whole life or else he wouldn't have been a servant or a slave. Nobody hires or or gets a servant that can't walk. So something's happened to this guy. He's, he's been injured. He's, he's hurt his spine. Something immediately has happened to him, and he, he's lying in, in bed. And, and he's, he's not just paralyzed, laying there, but it says he's not just sick of the palsy, he's suffering. He, he, it says he's grievously tormented. He, he's, he's torturing himself. It's, that's what the word tormented is, and it's a torture. It means that he's ready to die. He's on the verge of death. At any minute, he could die. It's urgent. So this centurion goes to Jesus. He cares for this man and now he prays for this man. If you care for somebody, you pray for that person. You go to Jesus on their behalf. And that's what he does. And what does Jesus say? I love verse 7. And Jesus saith unto him. You see that? He doesn't say get lost. You're a Roman soldier. I ain't got nothing to do with you. You're a pagan you're not a, You're not religious at all. You're not a Jew. Get away from me. Now, so Jesus had compassion, and he said, I will. I love that. He says the same thing in Luke 8 when, when he was asked about the, from the leper. I will. He says it here. I will. It is his will to heal here. I will go. It will happen without a doubt. Let's go, guys. Let's go to the house. Let's take off. Let's, let's move. Let's get there. They come and ask. He says, let's go. Where's he at? Put, put it in Google Maps and let's head out. Let's, where's your house? I'll go. Jesus shows compassion on this pagan soldier and his unknown servant. I mean, we don't know who this this servant is. Before there's any faith at all, it's not even the best request in the world. He just lays out the information and all of a sudden Jesus says, yeah, I'll go. That shows how much he he loves and cares for us. Our requests don't even have to be great. And he says, yes. So that's the end of the story, right? We can stop in verse 7. Jesus goes, heals him, it's over. you guys aren't that lucky. Because look what he says. The centurion answered, verse 8. It says, no, 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 no. no. I don't want you to go to my house. When I first read that, I thought this house might have been a mess, and he didn't want Jesus and the disciples showing up. That happens all the time. I'll say, sir, invite somebody over the house. No, 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 no. no. She gives all assignments. You go in there. You go in there. We're going to clean this place up before anybody shows up. We can't have anybody coming in and looking like this. She's, she's giving me an eye roll right now. I know I can feel it. <laughs> you guys can see her. I can't see her. I'm not looking. <laughs> and this insurance says, Whoa, 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 whoa. No. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. You see what he says? I'm not, I'm not asking you to come to it. You see? This is your answer. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I, I like that. The humility the honesty you can't come to my house i'm unworthy and you're worthy i'm not worthy for you lord to put your foot in my door the humility of this request i don't deserve anything from you we do not approach jesus with what we deserve and that we are worthy to have an answer We approach Jesus in humility and we say, I am unworthy of you answering anything that I'm asking. That's how you pray. We don't demand. We don't name it. We don't claim it. We don't say, you have to do it. We say, I'm not worthy of you doing anything for me. This guy understands it. He knows how to pray. And look what he says after that. Just pay attention with me. He says, But speak the word only. And my servant shall be healed. Well, what? What a statement! Just say the word where you stand. My imagination says, how many miles was this away? I mean, was it? A mile? Was it? What? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Was it a hundred yards away? Where they could see the house? I think it's further than that. Maybe it's a mile away. Maybe it's three miles away. Maybe it's outside the city. We don't know. It doesn't say. But Jesus couldn't see this servant. He couldn't see the paralytic. It's not in his in his eyesight. And this man looks at Jesus and says, we're not going to my house. I'm not worthy that you, the Lord, should step foot into my house. If you'll just say the word, you have the power to heal from a distance with just your words. That's a great statement. It's an amazing request. He's asking for something that has never been done in the history of the world before. He's taking it to another level. He's going from touch to, To say. This is a level of difficulty. That he's asking Jesus to do something that nobody's ever seen done before. I look through the Old Testament. I've never seen this done before. I look through the miracles in the New Testament. I've never seen this done before. And this insurance says. If you just say the words. This gets real. You say how can he ask that? Look what he says. He gives the reason. I I love this. It took me forever to try to figure out why this statement was in here. He said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, here's the reason. For I'm a man under authority. You see that word authority? I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers underneath me. (laughs) And I say to this man, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. He's a military man. And in the military, if you've ever been in the military, I'm not, but I've lost a lot of military movies, So I'm pretty much an expert. (laughs) In the military, it's not a free-for-all where everybody does what everybody wants to do. Where a guy walks in and says, guys, do whatever you want. In the military, you have a chain of command. Where Wherever you are in that chain of command, you have people above you and you have people below you. And this guy right here, he had people above him, and when they told him, the people above him, when they told him what to do, he did it. When they told him to come, he came. When he he told him to to go, he went. So he had people above him that told him what to do, and he says, here, I've got people below me, and when I tell them what to do, they're going to do it. And there's always repercussions in the military. If, if, If you don't do what you're told, you get in big trouble. Again, that's what the movies say. You say, why is he saying that? Because he... Being a man under authority and having authority recognizes another man with authority. I, like you, he's saying, have authority. And he's saying, Jesus, I understand. Get this. This is so good. He's saying, I see a, I recognize a man of authority when I see one. And you, Jesus, are a man of authority that when you say something, Just like when a commander commands his army, when when he says it with his words, go, he goes. When a commander says, come here, he comes here. When a commander says, do this, he does it with just his words. with just, Just a command out of his mouth, a commander in the army has power to make men move. He says, I recognize Jesus as a man with that kind of authority. That when Jesus speaks, But he's not commanding, get this, he's not commanding an army. Jesus, with his words, commands disease. That when Jesus says, just like the commander talking to an army, when Jesus tells a disease to go, it goes. When Jesus tells a disease to come, it comes. It's like my dog in the house. See, I'm a man of authority too. I have a dog underneath me. That's about it.
1: (laughs) When I say come,
0: it comes. When I say go, it goes. When I say sit, it sits. Sometimes. Jesus has authority. You say, what does he have authority over? Jesus has authority. If there's a chain of command, Jesus has authority over everything in the world. What he says happens. And I can go down the list. He's at the top of the chain of command. He has authority to rule over all things. He has absolute. I love that word absolute. It's, it's complete. It's total. There is nothing that, that is above Him. There is nobody that is above Him. There's no one that tells Him what to do. It's every aspect of creation. It's over weather. Weather. We don't tell weather what to do. We are a subject underneath, under the dominion of weather. What well, it does. We have to we have to adapt to it. But Jesus is above weather. What he he says, if he says, storm stops, storm stops. If he says, storm moves, storm moves. If he says, star stay in the sky, star stays. There's nothing in the universe that is not under the authority of Jesus Christ. Not even you. This is great. We'll see later on. He has authority over dead. If he tells the dead body to rise, it rises. He has authority over the future. He has authority over your health. He has authority over your body. He has authority over circumstances. Get this. He has authority over the President of the United States of America. It's not Donald Trump and Jesus. It's Jesus over Donald Trump. It's Jesus over Kim Jong-un. It's Jesus over whoever you want to name. King, Queen, whoever it is. Potentate. It's Jesus over all. What He says goes. This guy understands that He says all you have to do with your word is say it and the disease will run away scared. Yeah. At the words of Jesus. He even has the, the power to do the impossible with His words. Amen. That's His urgent request. and I, I've got to hurry. That's His urgent request. Jesus, just say the word and it will be done. That's the authority you have. We move from the urgent request... Now, how, how's Jesus going to respond? Let me show you His, his amazed reaction. Look at what it says. Verse 10. Jesus is amazed at this. We go from the urgent request to the, the amazed reaction of Jesus. When Jesus heard that, do <laughs> you see that? When Jesus heard Him say that, He marveled. He marveled. He was surprised. He was amazed. He was he, 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 this request was unexpected. He, he didn't see it coming. When you're surprised, you don't see it coming. You ever had a surprise party? When you, when you walk in the door and everybody says, Surprise! You marvel. You say, oh, I didn't see that coming. So great, you love me. Jesus, when he hears this request, Don't come in, Don't come to my house. Just say the word and it will be done. Jesus was taken aback. By what did you just say? Can you imagine that? What did you just say? I can't believe what you just said. I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm marveling at that request. Jesus was taken aback by it. it. It stopped him in his tracks. They may have been walking to the house. Jesus says, Okay, let's go heal this guy. You know, they're walking. The guy says, No, 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 I'm unworthy. Just say the word, it'll happen. And Jesus, wait a second. Did you just say what I thought you said? And then he says, look what he says. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. You say, how can Jesus be surprised? That's Jesus in his, as a man. He had the same emotions that we have. He cried, he laughed, and yes, he was even surprised by things. He was amazed by things. It's rare, again, only two times in the entire Bible is Jesus ever amazed by something. Surprised by something, taken aback by something, stopped in his tracks by something. It's here, and later on in Mark 6, he's amazed at the unbelief of his own people. He can't believe they don't believe. You say, What's he surprised at here? Look what he says. He tells us why he's surprised, he tells us why he's amazed. Verily, I say unto you, I like that verily. He's telling them, Listen up, guys. I've never seen faith like this before. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not even in Israel where it should be. I have never seen faith like this before. He's commending the centurion's faith. He's saying, I've never seen anybody... With such little knowledge about me. With such little knowledge about the, the things of God. He knew just a very little about Him. But he had complete trust in Him. He had no doubt about who He was. No doubt about what He could do. He knew who Jesus was. He knew what Jesus could do. His his faith was completely in Jesus. Well, this, his, his, centurion, his centurion trusted Jesus to do what He couldn't do. That's faith. Trusting someone to do what I cannot do. That's faith. this centurion came to Jesus and said, I can't do it. I can't heal this servant. I can't heal the paralytic. I'm trusting Jesus to do what I cannot do. That's great faith. Trusting someone else to do what I cannot do. It's faith. So he's bragging This guy's got great faith. But he's also condemning Israel's faith. Not even in Israel. They had a lot of knowledge. They had history. They had... Seen all the miracles, but they didn't trust Him. So He's saying, this guy over here who shouldn't believe in me, does. These people over here who should believe in me, doesn't. So He's saying, good for you and bad on you. You should be trusting me. You should be believing in me. You shouldn't doubt me. You should be skeptical. You should be cynical. You've seen me do amazing things and you still don't believe. Over here, you've seen me do nothing. You only know a little bit. Can you believe in me? That's amazing. So Jesus was surprised and he said, this is an amazing statement here. And I say unto you, verse 11, Jesus kind of teaches here, and I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. For the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There should be weeping and there should be gnashing of teeth. You say, what in the world is he saying here? He mentions a celebration. There's going to be a, a banquet sit down with. You see that there? Sit down with. And who's, who's the banquet going to be with? I like that. Then I imagine a, a table. Like We're getting ready to have a dinner here, or a lunch, brunch here in just a few seconds. And we're all going to sit down and have a banquet. We're going to have a celebration, uh, a fellowship time all together. And, and we're going to sit down with each other. The Bible says in Revelation that in the end, when everything's said and done, there's going to be a banquet. There's going to be a celebration. And there's going to be a table. And I don't know how big that table's going to be. But at that table, we know it's going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the greats of the Old Testament. Jesus will be there. It's it's, it's a celebration in heaven at the end of all things. Again, Revelation 19 speaks about this. There's going to be that end time celebration. Jesus said it in the upper room. I won't drink and eat again until I do it with you in the kingdom. There's going to be a celebration at the end. A banquet at the end. And that's what He's talking about here. There's going to be a a banquet here. And we're going to sit down. Who's going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That many shall come from the east and the west. Who's that? That's the lepers and the Gentiles. All the outcasts that are unexpected that shouldn't be there. That when you sit down at that table, there's going to be people who look across the table and say, Didn't think you'd make it. I didn't expect you to be here. I thought, that. no way you'd make it. That's what he's saying here. There's going to be Gentiles at this table. There's going to be people at this table that you never expected. There's going to be these that are sick. These that are lining the streets. These that we look past and never thought oh thing think about. They're going to be there. Jews are going to hear that and think, oh, wow, how are they getting in? But then he says this next thing, who's going to be out? There's going to be a Gentile conversion sweep through the world. And I'm glad of that. because you know what that means? I get in. I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile. Most of us are Gentiles here. He's he's opening up the gates to us and letting us in. Look what he says in verse 12. But the children of the kingdom, that's the Jews, shall be cast out into outer darkness. And they shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about the faith of this Gentile that he'll be the type of people that'll be in the kingdom at the banquet. And those who don't believe in him, the Israel who's, who's skeptical about him, who's doubting him, who don't believe in him, they're going to be left the, on the outside. While we're on the inside eating and drinking with, the, with Christians at the banquet, on the outside is going to be those unbelieving Jews who refuse to believe. Saw so much and refused. They're going to be on the outside where the trash is kept. Outer darkness, that's where the trash is kept where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where the trash is kept. That's where the the, the lepers are kept outside there. That's where they are. They're the outsiders. They're the outcasts. It's it's a a complete switch. And what's the difference? Why is some let in and some left out? And I know that sits a little bit deeper here. Why is some let in and some let out? Faith. The Jews refuse to believe in Jesus and trust Him completely for salvation. And it's Gentile trusted Jesus to do what he couldn't do. And when you trust somebody to do what you can't do, you quit trying to do it yourself. And that's what he's saying here. This Gentile is let in because he's trusting Jesus to do what he can't do. And the Jews refuse to trust in Jesus. The difference between those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The centurion had faith and the Israelites had no faith. Last point and then close. We saw the urgent request. We saw the amazed reaction of Jesus. And now we see the immediate recovery. We're going to get out of here real early today. Probably not. Verse 13. I've got one more verse to cover. The immediate recovery. And Jesus said to the centurion. You see that there? Uh, finally, we get to the end. We had the, the request, the teaching, and now we get to the, to the end when he, when he works the miracle. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way. I like that. Go on with your normal activities. I told you they stopped in their tracks. They stopped where they were at. They were walking to the house. And he, he made the request and Jesus was taken aback and said, whoa, what are you doing? And then he said, that's the kind of faith that's going to get into heaven. Not, the, not these Jewish people who don't believe in me at all, who are skeptical. This guy's the type that's going to be at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and me in the end. This guy is the guy that's getting in. He believes. He truly, completely, entirely believes in me to do what he can't do I can do for him. So he talks and he does his teaching here. And then he looks up and he says, go your way. I don't have to go with you. Go on. Go to your house. Go back to your servant. Go do what you were meaning to do today. Go on with your normal activities. Don't worry anymore. And he says, And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. As you have asked. As you have wanted. As you have expected. Your will. Go on, go on. Exactly how you asked it, I will answer. Yeah. Not because you believed, but because you asked. But as you believe, as you ask, the way you said, it, Jesus honors. That's what it says there. As thou hast believed, Jesus is honoring his request. Jesus told him yes. Okay, you can have it the way you asked. Isn't that amazing? the way he approached him, the way he asked him, the faith that he had, and Jesus says, wow, you can have what you've asked for. I love it. It's teaching us how to approach Jesus in this. Humbly, respectfully, reverently, unworthy, bows himself down to Jesus and says, I believe who you are and what you can do, and if you just say the word, my servant will be healed." And Jesus says, "That's what I'm looking for." Somebody who trusts me to do what he can't do. And Jesus says, "Go on." And it says, "Look here." And his servant was healed in a self same hour. I underline that self same hour. It's a word that means immediately. It, was, it happened immediately. He was healed. This is, a, this is an amazing thing. The word healed here. And I looked up healed. Uh, it, it's used several times in this passage. He was healed. It means that he was this servant was brought to full health. This, this, is, this is amazing. His, his pain. You get, I, I, in my mind, I imagine these things. And he's lying in a bed. It says he's lying in a bed. And he's sick of the palsy. And he's grievously tormented. And he's lying. And you, you can imagine. They didn't have pain medicine then. So he's just sitting there just tormenting. He's, he's in torture. I mean, who knows what kind of pain he had. He may have fallen and broken his neck. And, and, he, and he's had paralysis all the way down his body. And he, he's just in great pain, about to die. And all of a sudden, nobody around. Nobody's saying anything. And all of a sudden, it, it's gone. He doesn't even know what's going on. I mean, he doesn't know miles away. Listen, Jaron left and said, i got to go see somebody the and I wonder who he's going to go see. Just laying there. Just, I mean, can you imagine? Have you ever been to the hospital and saw somebody in pain? This grief is he tormented. It's like the, the number 10 on that smiley face list in the doctor's office. How bad is your pain? It goes from smile all the way down to Ugh. this guy's at the lowest, at the worst, as bad as it can get. And all of a sudden, in, in an instant, in, 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 in a, a twinkling of an eye, pain is gone. That's an amazing thing with just a word. Now, not only is the pain gone, but his paralysis is gone. He goes from, I mean, we don't know. He He may not have been able to move his arms. At least his legs. Laying there in the bed and all of a sudden he's up and he can run a 5K race. Immediately, on the spot, twinkling of an eye, at the words of Jesus, this man is healed. Sound in body, sound in mind, sounded all over. There's nothing wrong with him. Go to the doctor, doctor, and say, Clean bill of health. How did it happen? With the words of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's an amazing thing. We can't fix spinal cords now. You fall, break your neck, you have something wrong, paralysis, doctors will look at it and say, You know the technology we have today? With the the scans that we can do? With the scalpels they can use? With the the lasers and all these computers and gadgets? They couldn't fix this man. But do you know who can? Jesus Christ can. And he doesn't do it with a scalpel. He doesn't do it with a laser. He doesn't do it with an MRI machine. He does it with just a word. From a distance. I don't even know that he said. I mean, look, look what he said. He didn't say, Be healed! He said, it's already been done. Yeah. I, I call the miraculous word because of what the insurance. said. Just say the word. But I think Jesus thought it. Just in his mind, he said, open the <laughs> And miles away, this servant sits up. Amen. Can you imagine this centurion walking back to the house? Walk into the room and there's this servant. And they say this word servant here is a young boy. Probably a, uh, somebody he's teaching to be in the military. Almost like a son that's not a son. That's why he loved him so much and prayed for him. He walks in. He's not on the bed anymore. He's not in great pain anymore. He's running circles around the house. <laughs> Can you imagine that? How did Jesus do it? This right here is what sets Jesus apart from the so-called faith healers of our day. Jesus did it instantly, in a moment, with a word, with a the thought. There was no gimmicks being done Can you see these faith healers? And I know, I'm going to keep bringing it up through these miracles because we've got all these. I, I saw one earlier this week of a church in our area that was doing a faith healing service. They do all these gambles. You know, you gotta, those, they give you all these steps to do. you got to do this, and I'm going to knock you over with my coat. And when I saw one guy kick a lady in the face. Jesus had no gimmicks in a moment as He spoke instantly. He was healed. Jesus did it totally. I'm just going to give you a few words here. It's instantly. It's totally. This guy didn't get up and limp. You know, No limping going on. He was totally. I mean, completely. He, he never came. He didn't walk in there and say, Oh, I need a cane. I need to be able to get around. He didn't have a walker trying to get around. He didn't have any, uh, he didn't have to be, go, go through any kind of rehab or anything like that. I mean, just immediately, on the spot, he was completely healed. Legs better than anybody's legs around. Amen. I mean, that, that's amazing. Yeah. I'll give you another one. It was instantly, it was totally, it was obviously. <laughs> There's no doubt with this one. This wasn't like some of these faith healers today who the, the person, I got a headache, you know. Okay, boom, right in the forehead. Oh, <laughs> my headache's gone. I can't tell if their headache's gone. I can't tell if they had one to begin with. Tell me, got, oh, I got backache. Boom, right in the forehead. And all of a sudden, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they have a backache when they walked in. They may be faking it. My kids fake sickness all the time. <laughs> Come walk in, I'm sick. I can't do school today. You, you faker. You know, let me hit you in the forehead. <laughs> No, no, no! This is obvious. This guy was paralyzed one moment, not the next. There's no faking this. You can't fake paralyzed and in pain to walking and in no pain. That's right. I and mean, everybody's going to see this guy and think, "What in the world happened?" The only answer is going to be Jesus happened. Amen. That, that's a, that's an amazing thing. So it was instantly. It was totally. It was obviously. And again, I'm going to keep hammering this in. It was easily done. Yeah. Jesus didn't have to work it up. Jesus at the end of that didn't say, whoo, that was a tough one. No. At no point ever does our God have to say, wow, man, that disease had a hard fight. Go your way. It's already happened. Yeah. No sweat. None at all. That's the power of Jesus that when He says something, it's done. And it shows us I'm going to close. The power of his words. The same power that hung the stars in place. How did he hang the stars in place? His words. Spoken. The biggest, most magnificent stars in the universe. How did they get there, Dad? Jesus spoke them there. How do they stay there, Dad? Jesus keeps them there. How does he keep them there, Dad? With his word. He don't have to sit there. He's not sitting there holding the world together like this. Oh, just hold, barely holding it. You know, somebody help. With his words. When a star falls, we have falling stars. My kids love out and what's the stars? When a star falls, you know why it falls? Jesus said fall. He controls all things with the word of his power. Yes, he does. I'll give you another one the miracles He does here with just a word. In salvation, He speaks it. It's done. Yeah. How were you saved? By His Word. You were listening to a sermon and you heard His Word and that Word implanted into your heart and you were saved by the power of His Word. We trust in the power of His Word here. You know that we we preach we preach for an hour. We'll preach an hour tonight. We'll preach an hour on Wednesday. Why do we do that, Josh? Because I trust in the power of His word to do what it's going to do in your lives. My words mean nothing to nobody. His words have power to change your life. Amen. His word. How many times have you been to church? I'm going off script here. How many times have you been to church, heard a message, and left comforted? It wasn't my words. It was these words. I love getting messages after I I leave church and they will say that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I think that's a powerful word. It's living, it's active. It's still working in our lives today. His word. How many times have you come to church and you were looking for guidance and you walked out and said, I know exactly what I need to do today. How many times did you come to church and you left and I know some of you don't like this. But you had something going on in your life and that Word stuck you like a sword in the side. And you were convicted and you repented and you confessed of your sin and you walked out and you were were better than you came in. What did that? His Word did that. And it doesn't have to be in the sermon. It could be in your daily study. That it just jumps out at you and grabs you by the lapel. That's what His Word does. His Word wasn't just powerful then. His words are powerful now. There's still power in the Word of God. And this sermon, this, this passage shows us here, and I'm closing. It proves to me the same thing I said in the, in the introduction. Jesus cares about a centurion, soldier, outcast, hated, Roman soldier. Jesus cares about him. And not only about him, but get this, he cared about his servant. Servants in that time, slaves, doulos in the Greek, slaves, were nothing but a tool to people. And what do you do with a tool? Answer me this. What do you do with a tool when it breaks? You throw it away. I I had a hammer. The end end fell off of it. I didn't didn't go to God and say, we should put this back together. It's a $15 hammer. I threw it out and got me another hammer. That's what slaves were then. They were nothing but tools. So when you had a, a tool that broke, you didn't go to Jesus with it and say, hey, I, I you know, I need you to fix this servant. You, you, you cast him on the outside, let him die, and get you another servant. That's how lowly these servants were. We don't even know this guy's name. But Jesus cared enough about the lowest of the low that he fixed the lowest of the low. I love that. We don't know his name. I can't wait to get to heaven and say, where's that servant at? Jesus fixed me. And made me whole. That's great. He cares (coughs) about the lowest of the low. The outcasts. The people that nobody else cares about. He cares about our sicknesses. He cares about our worries. He cares about our fears. Jesus is not a a stoic. He's not a a statue. There's emotion in Jesus. He cares about what we care about. And He can. If you don't get anything else from this sermon, you need to understand that Jesus is greater than all of our diseases. Amen. Jesus is greater than all of our sicknesses. Jesus is greater than all of our sin. Jesus is greater. Whatever it is you put in your life that you think is weighing you down, Jesus is greater than that thing. Everything and everyone is under His authority. And again, the last proof that this shows us not only that He cares that He can, but that He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is Jesus. is God in flesh. The Savior of sinners. And let nobody ever tell you otherwise that Jesus is God. No one else can do the things He does unless God be with him. Get that from this sermon today. That Jesus cares about you. That Jesus can do anything that He wants to do. And that Jesus is God. That's what this teaches us. That's what this shows us. We've seen it. We've heard it. And I don't know about anybody else here today, but I believe those three things. He cares about me. He can can help me. And He is God. I believe those things. And we all must believe those things. So in closing, let me ask you about your faith. Do you have surprising faith like the centurion? Do we have surprising faith like the centurion? Is that the kind of faith that we have? That we can hand everything that we can't do over to Jesus? and we'll leave it with Him. Whatever you want to do, it's in your hands. I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. Whatever it is in your life, and we need to do that. We need to be on our faces before God saying, I can't, but you can. Jesus, I know your authority, your power. I know who you are. I can't do it, but you can. That's what you need to take away from this. I need to bring Him. That's the faith we need to have. I can't, but you can. I'm giving it all to you. I want you to come today like He did. I want you to trust Him today like the centurion did. Trust Jesus to do what you can't do. Especially if that's salvation. You can't save yourself. You can't work yourself into salvation. You can't be good enough to be saved. You need to trust Jesus to do what you can't do, and that is to save your soul. To forgive your sins. He's the one who did it. Trust Him today because you can't save yourself. That's what faith is. Trusting Him to do what I can't do. I can't heal anybody, but I'm trusting Him to do it. I can't save anybody, but I'm trusting Him to do it. I trust Him to do what I can't do. With my help, I can't, but you can. I can't deal with this disease, but I know who can. With your life, I can't deal with this life. My job, my marriage, my kids, I can't deal with it, but I know who can. Jesus can. With your worries? I can't. That's what, that's what we do with worries. I can't. I can't. I can't. But I know you can. And again, with salvation, if you're, not here, if you're here today, you're not saved. You must trust Him to do what you can't do. And that is to save you from your sins. And for those who can't pray for themselves. We need to do that. Do you care enough about your friends, your family, your loved ones to bring them before God and say, "I can't heal them, but you can." We don't do that enough. How about our friends that are lost? I I can't, I can't save him, and he can't save himself. So I'm bringing him to you and saying, "Please, with a word, you can save him. With a word, you can forgive him." Bringing him to you, them to you. With just a word, Jesus can work a miracle in your life today. With just a word. I urge you today to have the faith that the centurion have, to trust him to do what we can't do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words powerful words, strong words, saving words. Miraculous words. And I pray that by your words, and I know my words are not powerful, my words are not strong, my words are not saving, but I trust that yours are. And I trust that you would take this passage today and use it, God, please, use it to work in the lives of the individuals in this church, please. For whatever they need, for whatever's going on in their life, they may need healing, do it, please. Please. There may be some in here that needs to be saved. They can't do it, Father. You do it. Please, do today in this service what we can't do. And your word says we can do nothing without you. So we trust you. Our faith is in you. In who you are and what you can do. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays,